Well, what a delightful day it was. Uh, the weather was fantastic. And one of the realities I've experienced in speaking at church campings with our congregation is it can be kind of a tough group to speak to. You know, the nights were a little short usually. Um, I think there was a group at two still playing games last night. Uh, lots of physical activity outside and, and usually comfortable seats where you just kind of lounge down and then throw in a fire yet as well. Um, you guys are going to have a hard time uh, keeping those eyes open back there. Uh, but just a, yeah, a delight to, uh, to be with you and uh, to experience this day. <clears throat> David wondered um, this morning, I think, if, I, if this is part of a series or anything like that, and it's not. It's, uh, I've taken the approach more to think about different aspects of maybe different people that might be represented here and... Um, trying to speak into different situations. And so this evening, um, my topic that I'm going to share on is living in God's will. Or you might think about finding God's will. And um, it sounds a lot like a youth retreat topic, doesn't it? You know, finding God's will for your life, just a classic youth topic. And it's, it's very relevant for youth. I think back to when I was between the ages of 15 and 25, or think of your own life. What decisions did you make in that 10-year span? Uh, I know for myself, really significant life-altering decisions. You know, am I going to place my faith in Christ? Um, what career I'm going to pursue? Um, where am I going to live? Uh, who am I going to marry? Those are real, uh, decisions that that I continue to happily live with, thankfully, uh, to this day. But decisions continue throughout our lives. And the desire, I hope, continues to be that I'm in God's will, that I'm seeking God's will for my life. And so it doesn't matter if you're you know, 14 today or if you're Simon's age, He's continuing to have to make decisions as well and, and um, to, to think about what is, what is God's will. And I'm thinking maybe I was directed to this topic somewhat just knowing what you're anticipating in a couple weeks from now and that of you as a congregation um, going through, I think, a really special process, that of an ordination and, and seeking God's will for you as a congregation and... and um, wanting to, to, to seek what God has for you. You know, we have many decisions that all of us make on a daily basis. I understand that the average person makes about 35,000 decisions per day. 35,000. That gives you a lot of permission tonight to just, you know, throw yourself back in bed and say, that was a, that was a lot of decisions I made today or any day, because it is a lot. Uh, a lot of those are probably sort of subconscious decisions, but um, still, a lot of decisions. I know I experienced a lot of decision-making fatigue during COVID. I don't know if you did. I realized really soon the value of habits, the value of traditions, that we just kind of automatically do this or that, 
and not having to constantly be de making those decisions. But I think it, we, we are in a, I don't, I'm not saying a unique time, but I contrast my life to that of my, say, my great-grandfather, 100 years ago. And the, the types or the amount of decisions that I make today compared to the, the, the amount of decisions that I anticipate he made. I'm not saying that he didn't have to make decisions, but he didn't have to go to the grocery store. I don't know if you men have been there and had to pick up yogurt. And you get to the aisle and you see all these different varieties of yogurt, and you have to make a decision, what yogurt am I going to uh, purchase? Or maybe you and your spouse, or, or you're just you're going out for a restaurant, you've got to decide what restaurant you're going to. You have to decide then what, what on the menu you're going to choose. Think back 100 years ago. A, you might have had one restaurant to go to, if that. And, and the menu would have been very, very uh, much smaller. We could think about career options. My great-grandfathers both continued to farm the farm that they grew up on. They never moved. They just did what their father did. And um, part of that would have been just there weren't as many career options that they might have um, been able to pursue. Marriage. Probably 100 years ago, you might have had a dozen eligible men or women that, uh, that you might have been considering. Whereas today, um, I mean, you throw social media in there, and the amount of people that you can know is, is uh, pretty incredible. I'm not saying that our forefathers didn't have difficult decisions to make. I think they had some very difficult decisions. I'm talking more here about the amount of decisions or the, the amount of options that we have uh, today. Endless stream of opportunities, millions of choices that we make. And now I throw in, thinking about all those decisions that we have to make, I throw in this concept of God's will and living in God's will. And how do we think about all these decisions that we have to make and how do we incorporate being in God's will in all those, those decisions uh, that we have to make? How do we know if this choice is God's will or, or if that choice is God's will? How, uh, it, it seems to me that we can fall into two ditches here when we think about God's will. We, we, could, we can move into sort of a paralysis of I have a decision to make. I don't know what God wants me to do here, so I'm just going to be kind of paralyzed because I don't want to make the wrong decision. So it can be, lead to a paralysis. I've talked to people who have just kind of felt stuck, like they don't know what to do because they want to be in God's will, and they don't know what that is. So sort of a paralysis. On the other side could be this attitude of, well, I don't know what God's will is, and there's really no way for me to know what God's will is, so I can do whatever self wants to do because God's will is not knowable, and so I can just do anything. And indifference there. How do we think about God's will? Is God's will so narrow that there's only one right choice, 
Or do we have the freedom to make multiple choices and still be in God's will? Those are some of the, the things that we want to consider here um, tonight. And so I sort of three subpoints here. First, we're going to consider the call to live in God's will. Second, we want to think about how do we know what God's will is? And then third, lastly, making decisions in God's will. First, a call to live in God's will. Where do we get this idea that we should be in God's will? We use this language freely. Where do we get this, this idea? If you have your Bibles, and it's not a big deal if you don't, but we're going to just look at a few passages here. Um, we're to make the case that we are to live in God's will. If you wish, you can turn to Matthew 6.10. We'll just flip through these passages quite quickly. Matthew 6, this is a, probably the, the most known uh, phrase that you probably are familiar with uh, about God's will. Matthew 6.10, it's in the Lord's Prayer where we read, Your kingdom come, your will, God's will, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 7.21, the next passage that we're going to look at. Not, this is a sobering one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. A call to live in God's will. John, we move to the last gospel. John, chapter 5, verse 30. Another call here. This is Jesus expressing his desire to be in God's will. I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. We see Jesus' desire to know and be in God's will. And then 6.38, another passage where we see Jesus actually living this out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Words of Jesus. And then Jesus demonstrating this back in Luke 22. Another passage. This is, again, familiar at the time of Jesus in Gethsemane. Luke 22, verse 41, where we read, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And finally, 1 John 2, 17 we read this, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. All right, so I've just read, read a bunch of scriptures here that speak of God's will, and as Jesus' followers, we should want to mimic Jesus in being in, uh, Jesus wanting to be in God's will. All right, so probably something that you've didn't need me to make the case for, but I think it's good to be reminded of where we get this concept. Well, how do we know what is God's will? I think um, I was influenced in my youth by what I would consider somewhat of a faulty view, two, two somewhat faulty ways to think about it. Or I should say I was influenced by the first one that I'm going to 
to explain here of how do we know what is God's will. The one view is that of a giant corn maze. You're familiar with corn mazes? I don't know if you enjoy corn mazes, but I get frustrated in corn mazes. I haven't been in a lot, but I remember the one time as a family we went um, to a fall you know, farm and there was a corn maze. And we're walking along, we have young children, they're getting tired, we're walking along, and we keep coming to these whys, and you have no idea which way you're supposed to take. And you know the one way is the right way, you know the other way is going to lead you probably to a dead end. And there's this, this ah, I gotta make this decision, and we choose one way, and ah, we got to a dead end, and our children were getting tired, and I was getting disoriented as well, as far, I, I think I'm pretty good at directions, but I got totally turned around, didn't have a concept of where I should be going, and our children were getting tired, did I mention that already? And <laughs> we were hearing it from them, and yet we still were not out of the corn maze yet. And uh, I think we ended up being one of those bad you know, patrons which kind of meandered our way between the corn and, and headed out. Well, sometimes uh, we can think of God's will in, in that way. It's a very narrow track, and you're constantly having these these bifurcations, these divides, and only one of them is the right way. And so you're left feeling this, this angst of, I, want, I need to make the right decision here or I'm not in God's will. And, and this is where um, you know, each, each decision is, is a painful decision because you're either discovering what God wants for you or you're making a choice that ruins it all. And, and this can lead to a paralysis or a fear of, of decision-making. And I've, I've, I've seen youth, um, who, who maybe especially youth, who have just been kind of, ah, I don't know what to do with this. And, and this can lead to making decisions in what I would consider some unbiblical ways or somewhat mystical ways, using signs from the sky or you know, opening your Bible to a certain place or putting out the fleece, things like that. And it kind of makes sense why you might want to do that because you got to make the right decision here and, and how do I know God's will? And so I look for something uh, supernatural or, or mystical there. So that's one way to think about God's will as being very, very narrow and there's only one right choice to make and you... Um, hopefully make that, that right choice to be in God's will. I'm saying I was influenced by this view. Uh, I think it was more popular maybe 25 years ago or so. Then the other view, which I think is also faulty, and I alluded to it before, is that God's will is so wide that it really doesn't matter what you, how you live, and somehow God's will is really not knowable, and so uh, it really doesn't matter what decisions you make. Uh, do whatever... Um, pleases you, be true to yourself, sort of that, that center as being authority, yourself as being authority there, making decisions, no transcendent direction given. Well, I don't think either of these is, is really what God intends for how to view his will. And I'm going to suggest an, a third option here tonight, and I'm going to use a triangle to think here a little bit about God's will. The triangle, I'm not sure where I, I learned it, but it's been helpful 
for me to think about God's will and how we live in God's will without being paralyzed in making decisions and not kind of saying it doesn't matter. First of all, we're going to talk about, we're going to consider the triangle as being God's will. We're going to talk about section A here, which is, as you can see, the largest part of the triangle. And this is what we're calling God's known will. God's known will. This is not something we need to decide. He has told us what his will is. Let's look at some passage. Well, let me just say, if, if, to, to find out what God's will is for your life, this is the open your Bible and find out what God's will is. So let's look at some of those passages. Again, if you wish, you can follow along. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, read this way. What is God's will for you? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will for you. We open our Bible and we read what is God's will for us. Back 1 Thessalonians 4. Verse 3, what is God's will for you? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So we don't have to decide, you know, should we be sexually immoral or not? No, God's will, he has revealed it in his word, that that is not his will. And so if we're going to live in God's will, we're going to abide by that. 1 Peter uh, 2.15 is another one. 1 Peter 2, verse 15, we read, this is in the context of submission to government, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We could think of other passages as well that maybe don't distinctly say this is God's will, but it's God's revelation to us that is clear. It's God's will. We could think of Micah 6.8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God. That is God's will for your life. We could think about the first and second commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all, not some, but all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are, this is God's will that has been known to us. We don't have to figure these things out. And you'll notice when we're talking about God's will, I'm suggesting that this, what has been known, made known to us through God's word, really is largely what is finding God's will for our lives, we look in Scripture and we find out how we are to live. I don't know if you want to put a percentage to it, whether it's 80% or 95%, but it's majority of when, we, when we're wondering, how do I live? We don't have to search and figure that out, looking for a sign or something like that. We look in Scripture and say, okay, this is what God's will is for my life. We could sub subdivide this triangle into even, you know, more, we could put another subsection in here and say, it's clear a subsection of this is 
more specific to us men. There are commands in scripture that are distinctly for us husbands, or to you wives, or to employers, or employees. Again, that is God's revealed will, God's known will. This isn't something, something that we have to try to figure out on our own. God, the Bible is full of direction of what pleases God, what his will is for our lives. You know, I think we, this section here is going to be God's discerned will. We'll get to that in a moment. I think God really cares about this section here. We tend to care a lot about that section there, discerning what some of the, the smaller or the, the, the other details of our life, and maybe neglect this portion here of God's known will. And I think God really cares a lot, revealed his will to us in his word about how we are to live. And so that is, we're calling that, uh, maybe I should put it down here, this is God's known will. Will. And scripture is our primary way of knowing what his will is for our lives. And so we don't need to figure out, is it God's will for me to be in prayer? No, we, we know. We know it's God's will that we abide in his word. We know it's his will that we pursue holiness. We know it's his will that we flee immorality and idolatry. It's God's will that we love others, uh, love our neighbors. It's God's will that we care for the needy and we defend the weak, that we make disciples. So that's God's known will. Then we have God's discerned will, and that's what I have labeled here as B. And this is what is not clear from Scripture, this section here. Um, what did I call it? Um, discerned, thank you. <clears throat> discerned will. Will. And this is, you know, do I buy this car or that car? Do I pursue this career or that career? Things that are not um, spelled out clearly necessarily in Scripture for us. And these are big decisions. I'm not minimizing that these are not big decisions. Um, and we should care about them. But this is where I, I come back to the question, is this, is this narrow or is this wide as far as what God's will is? And what I'm proposing to you this evening is that when we are living in God's known will, when we are in God's known will and are seeking his will, being obedient to his known will, when it comes to God's discernment, we have all kinds of freedom to make decisions. That it's not just a very narrow this way or that way, but we have, we have the freedom to, to make choices. And when we're in God's known will, recognize that those, those other decisions are also in his will when we're pursuing his, when we're living in God's known will. We can do all kinds of things and be in God's known will. So I think about, I pursued uh, optometry as a career. 
I thought when I was a child I was going to be a construction framer. Uh, then I thought I was going to be um, pursue medicine. Then I thought I was going to um, be a science teacher. Um, thought I was going to be a paramedic. Applied in and got accepted in there. And quite frankly, I think I could have been all of. I could have pursued any of those options and been in God's will. Um, I'm grateful I'm in optometry, but I think I could have pursued any of those and still considered um, being in God's will. Um, Fourteen years ago, I married the love of my life, Corlene, and uh, I'm really grateful I married her, but, and this is maybe somewhat controversial, but uh, I think, really, I could have probably married 50 other women, not, don't think about me marrying 50 other women, but <laughs> 50, and still been in God's will. It's not that God's will is so narrow that I'm just really grateful she was, you know, in southern Ontario and not in North Korea, um, or I might not have found her. Um, but I think that we have, when we're in living in God's known will, we have lots of liberty, lots of freedom to make those decisions. We don't have to be paralyzed. Is this in God's will or not? You know, we're down here in Virginia. I think I'm in God's will here. But I think if I would have just made, turned Dave down and said, you know what, other responsibilities are calling me at home. I should be at home. Well, that, I think, could have been in, would have been in God's will as well. So when I, this has been helpful for me to think about this, where I don't have to be paralyzed. I need to concentrate on being obedient to God's known will. And I'm saying that we often sometimes eh, kind of pay a lot of hyper-focus on this area here and maybe not as much focus on this area. But when we focus on this area, what is God's, what is, what is God's heart? What, does, what is he wanting? What does he love? What does he hate? When we're, when we're pursuing God's known will, that's going to give us a lot of freedom when we are making decisions, that we can have the confidence that when we are obedient to his known will, we, can make, we have a lot of freedom to make decisions and continue to be in God's will. We're prone to overlooking God's revealed will, as I said, and, and hyper-focusing on, on his discerned will. And I'm suggesting we, we flip that around and we concentrate on what, does, what do we know God wants from our life and then experiencing freedom to make those decisions that, um, that align with God's known will. All that said, we still have to make decisions on a daily basis. And I'm not minimizing that those decisions might not be, uh, that, that those decisions may be difficult or weighty decisions. And, and so that's where we want to think lastly here about making decisions in God's will. Try to make the case here. We concentrate on God's known will, revealed to us in Scripture. It gives us freedom to make decisions here when we are aligning our lives with God's known will. We have freedom there. But yet we still face the, the challenge of, okay, I still have to decide which of these two paths to go. Uh, which path should I take? And so I have five points here that we'll just quickly walk through. In making decisions in God's will, again, we're not, 
I'm not saying that we're deciding about God's known will here. Do we do this or not? That's clear to us. That's priority. It's in where it's not clear from Scripture what we should or should not do. First is walking with God. This probably aligns really with just being um, knowing God's will, but walking with God. Develop and grow a relationship with God where you know his heart, you know what God loves, you know what God hates. And, you know, I think about when I got to know my wife, um, decision-making, I think, has become easier as time goes on. As I know her heart, I know more what's going to please her and, and what's um, not going to please her. And that, that's been helpful for me in making decisions. We can think about the same way with our relationship with God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Familiar passage. Let's, let's say it together. It starts with trust in the Lord. All right, this speaks about that walking with God and knowing his will. Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And so we, we do this in, in reading his words. We do this in talk and listening to his spirit and obedience to what is known. Uh, what his will is, no, what, what his known will is, being obedient to that what we do know. So walking with God is what I'm suggesting is uh, step number one. Two, know yourself. Um, know where your interests, your giftings lie. Pay attention to how God has wired you. Um, I was talking with Darren earlier about the curator that's not a place for me. I do not enjoy creative writing. I, um, I, I frankly don't enjoy literature that much. I'm more science. And um, so I just know that that's, I'm not going to probably sign up, have to make the decisions, am I going to be a fine artist or not? Because that's just clearly not where my, I mean, you can see, that's clearly not where my giftings lie. Um, it's, it's, it's obvious to me. Um, for me, in making the decision about optometry, one of the things that I did was I, I explored several different fields of study and, and came to realize that optometry aligns with some of my interests. So I volunteered um, in an optometry office. I worked in a, in a chemistry lab. That was in a season when I thought I was going to go into research. And I worked in a nuclear magnetic resonance spectroscopy lab. And I made um, these small crystals that were then characterized sort of like under an MRI. And I was the only one in the lab. And I realized it was a long summer for me. I realized very soon that I need interaction with people. I need to see how my work that I'm doing today is directly going to benefit someone's life. I didn't know that about myself until I started to explore some of that. So pay attention to how God has wired you. One, one hesitation with that, or be, maybe a, just a caution, is be careful 
um, we need to be careful not to do only that which feels comfortable or leaves us fulfilled. Sometimes, or many people have done things that didn't feel comfortable but needed to be done. And so I'm not suggesting here that we just do what feels easy or comfortable for us. I think back to um, my first interaction with Dave. I don't know if he remembers this or not, but I was called on to, to consider serving on the Faith Builders Board. And I was young at this age. I mean, I still think I'm young, but uh, I, that was 12 years ago. And I had never served on a nonprofit board before. I didn't know what this was. And I'm sitting there, and people like Dave and others are talking about numbers. And I just felt totally out of my league. And I told the group there, and it was kind of a get acquainted. I, I said, you know what? I'm not cut out for this job. Um, I, I don't feel qualified for this. And uh, I was really doubting God's will, I guess, for me to be in that, uh, to take on that responsibility. And they came back and said, no, we think you should serve there. And I did. And Dave was like a mentor to me in secretarial work. I ended up taking over his role. And I must say that doing that, stepping into that, what felt like a difficult role, was one of the best things um, that happened to me in my development. So my point here is that sometimes we don't have to, it would have felt at that point that, no, this doesn't feel like a good fit for me. And I'm saying that sometimes we have to push through those things and, and actually do them. Um, so don't just, you know, say, I, I'm going to take the easy road here. But do pay attention to your interest and, and giftings. God has given us a mind and given us wisdom to make those decisions as well, given us the ability to think through things. So use that. Use your mind in thinking through things um, as, as, as far as is, is this a good fit or not. So walk with God, know yourself. Three, look at your circumstances. Paul, when he was considering where to go on his missionary journeys, sort of talked in terms of open or closed doors. And sometimes those can be helpful for us in, in, in de making decisions. Um, for my wife and I, uh, when we got married, we anticipated um, basically working long enough that I would pay off my student loans, and then we were going to go abroad and uh, going to serve uh, possibly in a closed country. I was thinking about optometry being used as a platform for that. And so that was our five-year plan, was that in five years we'd be going abroad. Well, two years in, after our marriage, I was ordained. And so that anchored us really solidly uh, for that season of life to our local church. We viewed that circumstance as revealing to us God's will was that our time abroad was not right then. And so you can think about um, other circumstances that might help you in making decisions. Fourth, then, is seek godly input and community input. We all have blind spots. We lack experience others may have, whether it's parents or church, uh, friends. And I think uh, this is where I, I think uh, an ordination is a really special time for a congregation. As you come together and you think together, you pray together, and you seek God's will as a community in determining who um, is, is qualified and called to, to serve. 
My last one then is sometimes it's not still, we're still left, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what is the right decision to make. And my fifth point is to do the next right thing. Often it's not clear what the future holds. We can't see where this will take us. But we're called to do the next right thing. You know, I think we t we're better off to focus on what God may have for us right now than what he might have in mind for us in uh, a decade in our future. We should concentrate on what is the next right step for us right now. Elizabeth Elliot writes this. When I went back to my jungle station after the death of my first husband, Jim Elliot, I was faced with many confusions and uncertainties. I had a good many new roles besides that of being a single parent and a widow. I was alone on a jungle station that Jim and I had manned together. I had to learn to do all kinds of things which I was not trained or prepared in any way to do. It was a great help to me simply to do the next right thing. I don't know what that looks like in your life, um, but it's helpful for me that sometimes we want to know what that, what that long-term plan is, and yet we're just called to take what's the next right step in this circumstance. So in summary here tonight, I hope you've heard a call that we should care about living in God's will, that we should, that, that God's will, he does have a will, and we should want to live in it. Our concentration should be in following, being obedient to what his known will is, what his revealed will has been to us. When we're living in God's revealed will, his known will, then we have many options in his discerned will that we can have freedom in and know that we are in God's will. How do we do make those decisions? We walk with God. We know our interests, our giftings. We look on circumstances, seek godly counsel, and don't be paralyzed, but do the next right thing. We'd all like to see into the future. We'd like to know what, what the future holds. But I'm suggesting here tonight that better than that is to know a God who gives us a view of himself, not of the future. He gives us a view of himself. God wants us to hope in him, not in some future outcome. All God, our God is an all-knowing, all-powerful God who is for us, not against us. And he will never leave us, nor forsake us. Let's pray. Lord, you have placed us in a, uh, in a place where we have free will and we, we can make decisions. You, we're called to make decisions. We want to be in your will and help us to be obedient to what you have revealed to us. May we seek and know your known will and, and yeah, follow you there. May we not be paralyzed in decision-making, but have um, freedom as we, as we are obedient to you in your known will, that we, we have uh, freedom in making decisions. I pray for this congregation 
as they think about their future, and uh, especially here, the future of their leadership and the decisions that are ahead of them. Lord, I pray that you will give them courage and hope and joy as they anticipate the future. And would you bless them with wisdom and discernment as they move into these next couple weeks here of seeking you and, and working together as a congregation and uh, seeking your will for them. Lord, bless us with a good evening together here tonight and uh, give us a good rest, prepare us for tomorrow. We pray this through Christ. Amen.